is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. Welcome to Freedom to Choose. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And Susan, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about um, admitting and acknowledging our um, where we're at and what we do. And the reason why we're here is because we want to let people know that God has the power to help us if we're struggling with any kind of addiction or if we know of anybody that that is struggling with addiction, that there is freedom from that addiction. Wonderful. This series, Freedom to Choose, is specifically designed to give hope and help to anyone out there who needs it. Susan, could you please open the program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. We pray right now that you will touch hearts and minds, that you will open ears that they may hear, about the power that you have to help us to live abundant and happy lives. We just thank you for all that you've done for us and will continue to do. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Susan. I'd like to begin today's program by telling a story. Susan and I both have day jobs. So, uh, and what I do for a living is I pour concrete and I have for many, many years in the Sacramento area. And uh, when you're in addiction, you hang around a lot of people that um, that you. The reason you hang around a lot of different people is because they do what you do, and when you break free from addiction, naturally you break free from those people because they no longer do what you do. You're on to different things. And one time I was up in Forest Hill uh, doing a. We were building a school up there, and I looked over and I saw an old friend, and. He looked up and he saw me and our eyes met and it was kind of, it was almost awkward, but he came walking over. His name was Randy and he came walking over and his eyes began to puddle up and they began to well up and tears started running down his face. And I, I looked at him, I couldn't resist. I went over and hugged him and he hugged me so tight and I said, Randy, how you been? And he said, not so good. And I could tell, and and I said, well, what's going on, Randy? And he says, I- I'm just not doing so good. But he goes, you look so good. You look so good. And he kept hugging me, wouldn't let me go. And it was unbelievable. See, Randy was one of the guys that I used to run with. And ten when, by running with... It's not a marathon. I'm it's, not meaning, well, it's a marathon in the sorts. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, by run with, I mean, we used to do uh, methamphetamine together. And it was 10 years before, was prior to that meeting is when I last saw him and we were both still using. So I saw him there 10 years later on this job and he just couldn't stop crying. He couldn't stop shaking and he was really tore up Um, and he looked really weak and he looked like he wasn't going to make it another day. 
And um, I looked him in the eyes, and I told him one thing. I'll never forget his answer. I looked him in the eyes, and I said, Randy, you don't have to live like that. And you know what his reply was? I couldn't believe it. He looked me in the eye with the most sincere eyes and sincere heart, and he said, I don't. No one had ever told him it that way. No one had ever told him that he didn't have to live like that. And so what happened next was incredible. He left Northern California, went down to L.A., believe it or not, got clean, came up. A year later, I hired him, and he's been working for me ever since. The power of God is incredible. And when we, when I shared with Randy what God had done for me, and that he did not have to live like that, and that that was not God's intention for his life. He had never heard it that way before. Praise the Lord for what God can do on the heart of anyone who is searching. He, No one had ever told him he didn't have to live like that. Susan, what was your life like before, and when did you realize that you didn't have to live like that? I know you were in jail when you got clean and sober. Was it Right then when someone prayed over you? Was it two weeks later when you had a little clean time under your belt? Was it a year later? When was it that you realized that you didn't have to live like that? I I think it was from the first point when the obsession to use was lifted from me because I felt completely different. I felt like there was a relief. I knew that I had my part to play. I knew that I had to do things completely different. You know, you mentioned something in the very beginning, how you said, you know, when uh, you were using, you hung around certain people and, and did those certain things because they were doing what you wanted to do. That was one of the one things that I had to remember was to take responsibility for who I was and what I was doing because I always wanted to blame it onto somebody else. And so I, I recognized from that point on that that. I, that God was going to help to change me. And I just knew I had this sense. It like, was a sense? It was a it, feeling? What was it, it? I don't know. I think it was I think it was everything. I think that God was putting the right people in my path. Either that or I was just open and willing because, you know, both of us recognize that if we hadn't changed, we would have been dead by now. We were thoroughly beat. Right. We were thoroughly beat. Right. And so it was as though i knew from that point on that life was going to be different and that's it and that's what the first step of addiction recovery is about it's a the first step in fixing things that are wrong in our lives is realizing that there is something wrong now on today's program we're going to learn some definitions and we'll also learn about some of those things that we're continually doing over and over we'll learn that even though we feel like i don't know like our lives are like we're a hamster in a cage and that our life may seem like it's going nowhere, that we actually can change. We can actually, we do have a choice. And that's how we got the title of the program, Freedom to Choose, because a lot of people stuck in addiction really don't think, sincerely don't think that they have the freedom to choose. So let's let's start off by a simple definition. What What is a mistake? And And, and, and more than that, and I know some people think this, that they make a lot of mistakes. And I want you to know that if you make mistakes, or if, you, if your life is riddled with miscues, the fact that you make mistakes doesn't mean that your life is a mistake. 
the fact that you made mistakes in the past, the fact that maybe you've been addicted to something, the fact that you maybe are addicted to something right now and feel that there's no way out, way out, and those are mistakes that you're making does not mean your life is a mistake. What is a mistake? Let's look at a dictionary definition of a mistake because I like to I like to identify things when I'm talking about them and then revert back to them so that we understand that we all know what we're talking about is the same. A mistake is an incorrect or unwise or unfortunate act or decision caused by bad judgment, a lack of information, or care. And we're probably going to talk more about bad judgment today when we talk about mistakes okay we've all made mistakes in our lives everyone makes them it's just the way it is but sometimes um we really don't have to make them sometimes and this is my problem sometimes we get in a hurry and i'm kind of like trapped in my own brain when it when it comes to time especially like going to the airport or something like that i gotta leave how early Probably like uh, we were there at the airport three hours early. <laughs> it, it's just funny. That's the way I am. If not, if I think I'm running late, I am in a hurry. And it's I'm just miserable. <laughs> it is. It's well, it's torture for me and my own brain, but it's really torture for my wife because I'm just, con- it doesn't matter how early we are, I'm still in a hurry. Okay. So it, it, this is, and it causes mistakes. It causes, you know, you, you speed down the freeway. Now you realize you're in a hurry. You forgot to make a phone call. So now you're making a phone call going down the freeway. You're texting. Whatever it is, that's that's going to cause more and more mistakes. You know, people don't, don't like to make mistakes, but, but they do happen. And then many people quite possibly have to live with the cost of those mistakes. Or others in their lives have to live with those mistakes. Yeah, and there's consequences. Right. One of the reasons why we make mistakes is we allow our emotions to take over, causing us to make mistakes. For instance, and let's just take an example, an angry or a jealous person is much more likely to make a mistake than someone who's in control of their emotions. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Maybe being prideful or hard-headed might cause somebody to say something wrong, make mistakes, get in an argument when they shouldn't, say something that they shouldn't. And, you know, there's, there's an old saying, we sin the most when we're right. Because when we feel we're right, or even if we are right, the way that we deliver that can hurt people, especially if our emotions are really involved. We sin the most when we're right. There's a difference between making a mistake and intentionally doing something wrong. In other words, and I I look at it this way, I don't think that anybody gets up in the morning, wakes up in the morning, and hops out of bed, raises their hand for everyone to see, and says, I know what I want to do today. I want to go mess things up. I don't think anyone does that consciously, but we but we do have little habits and behaviors that cause us to make those mistakes. Mistakes, however, when repeated often enough, can become much more than mistakes, and that's why we wanted to talk about mistakes and we wanted to define what mistakes is. Now let's review. What are some things that cause mistakes? Being in a hurry? Not paying attention, bad judgment, lack of information, lack of care, pride, anger, jealousy. Many things can cause mistakes. It's a wonder we can do anything right with all this list of things that cause mistakes because I'm in a hurry. A lot of times I don't 
pay attention. Sometimes I use bad judgment. A lot of times I make decisions without the right information. Sometimes I just don't care. I am prideful. I do get angry, and I can get jealous. And so it's a wonder I do anything right. But these things cause mistakes. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about habits. And Susan, are habits our friends or are they our foes? They can be both. They can be both. They can be friends and they can be foes. Yeah, habits are friends when they're good ones, but bad habits can turn into what? Into addictions. Into addictions, and that will, that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, Susan, what's the dictionary definition of a habit? An action or pattern of behavior that is repeated so often that it becomes typical of somebody even though he or she may be unaware of it. So we don't know sometimes even... When we have habits. When we have habits. That's interesting. Did you know that our brains form a million new connections every second of our lives? That's right. You heard it right. A million new connections every second of our life. It's in these changing connections that memories are stored, personalities are shaped, and habits are learned. Habits kind of scientifically speaking, are chemical reactions that go on in the brain. And they actually change the structure of the brain. I want to read something to you from Schizophrenia Bulletin, uh, page 553. What you are thinking right now can actually change the chemical composition of your brain cells and the rest of your central nervous system. That's right. What you are thinking right now can change your brain, the structure of your brain. If you're thinking angry thoughts, you're teaching your brain to become an angry brain. If you're thinking jealous thoughts, you are teaching your brain to become a jealous brain. And it's chemically altering your brain and chemically the composition of your brain and cells and the rest of your central nervous system is changing by what you are thinking right now. Now, in contrast, what if you're thinking happy thoughts? And you're going to be a happy person. You're going to be a happy happy person, a happy brain, right? right? And that's neat. Now, these habits that we're talking about, because we're talking about good and bad habits, they can be your friend, they can be your enemy, just depends. Uh, Your brain remembers and automates them so it can free itself up for thinking. That's right. God made us us Habitual people. uh, Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, something like so simple is walking a habit. Yes, it is. Yeah, because when you were a child, you had to learn how to put one foot in front of the other. And then, of course, time goes on, balance and everything everything else. else, And then now you walk and you don't have to think about, well, wouldn't it be horrible to think I got to put this foot and foot, this foot in front of the other one. And then this one. No, it'd be it would be miserable to live that way. What here's it. Here's one that gets me always this habit of mine. What about your reaction to waiting in a line? Do you have a specific reaction when you wait in line? I know I do. What's your reaction? I get frustrated real easy. In fact, it used to be, I'm gaining the victory very slowly, but it used to be that if Susan and I were going to go out for dinner and we came around the corner and there was a line of people out the, out the restaurant, I would say, we are not going to dinner at that rest, in, restaurant. In fact, we are not going to dinner tonight. I would get so angry and so frustrated, and that was a habit. That I, a reactionary habit that as soon as I saw a line, I, I would get frustrated. And then I would, I would change like, uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. It was incredible. So even though we're not always aware of our habits, we can control good habits. You know, what can we control, Susan? What kind of habits? We can control, um, we can control our sleep habits. We can be on time. 
we can have safe driving, we can have good manners, we can eat healthy, we can exercise, we can have good hygiene. All those things are good habits to control. And see, God created us that way so that we could be happy and healthy and go along in our life and multitask, if you will. Now, it's, in very, it's very important that we maintain good habits so that we might, might live and stay in control of our lives. And what do I mean by staying in control of our lives? Is there anything dignified about crawling out from underneath a car at 2 in the morning? No. And, but with my life, bad habits led me down that road where I would do that now and again. Right. And see, so— Because, because the, habit, the bad habits became your norm, normal operation, mode of operation, so therefore they just kept getting worse and worse. Exactly. And, and, and you end up doing things that you earlier on in life— say, I would have never done that. Right. And you just keep going out farther and farther. So are addictions just bad habits or are they something worse? Let's look at a dictionary definition of an addiction. An addiction is a habit that controls us. We don't control it. And also I want to add to that, an addiction is also a habit that one uses to manage pain, whether it be emotional or physical pain. And that's crucial also because in many behavioral addictions, people don't realize it, but they were actually managing emotional pain when they when they uh, do whatever behavioral addiction it is. And we will get into those behavioral addictions here in a section, second, because addictions are divided into two classes, substance addictions and behavioral addictions. Now, all substance addictions are behavioral addictions, but not all behavioral addictions are substance addictions. So they're divided into the two classes. Now, many different types of substances that we can become addicted to, and we'll go over a couple of them here, and I'm sure you're quite familiar with with most of them. Uh, these substances range from illegal drugs such as methamphetamine, and I wanted to talk about methamphetamine for just a second in a, in a minute here. Uh, but methamphetamine, cocaine, alcohol, cigarettes, prescription narcotics, ch- chocolate, maybe even some kind of soda pops are addictive. But the drug that Susan and I were on was on towards the end of our addiction was methamphetamine. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it right now. And uh, this will, uh, in my mind, this settles in my mind how much of a miracle working God that we serve. Because methamphetamine consumes the user. It extinguishes their personality. It extinguishes their character. And it turns them into a slave. It takes nine out of ten people out in a matter of weeks. And what it does is it destroys the part of the brain, it destroys the part of the person, the part of the chemical reactions in the brain that we need to make life worth living. It destroys the, what you call the cornerstones of survival, food, sex, and social contact. And we need all of those to survive, okay? Now, let's talk about the dopamine just here briefly. The neurotransmitter, dopamine, is the main brain chemical associated with the sensation of pleasure, okay? So what a methamphetamine attacks is that part of the brain that's associated with pleasure, associated with reward, associated with drive, okay? Now, normal pleasure, your, your brain will release 100 units of dopamine, and it, like, let's say you just walk outside, take a breath of fresh air, look at the snow on the mountains, and a bird flies by, and you will, man, this is really nice. 
Your brain just released 100 units of dopamine, okay? Sex, your brain releases 200 units of dopamine. Cocaine, 400 units of dopamine. And methamphetamine, 1,200 units of dopamine is being produced. Now, what happens is when the soon-to-be addict takes that methamphetamine for the first time, he feels instantly 12 times better than he's ever felt in, in his life. But immediately something else is happening to him. He's destroying the part of his brain that makes life worth living at the same time, and he doesn't know it. As the receptors begin, what happens is this: with this 12 times the amount or 1,200 units of dopamine being released, the receptors begin to die, and they begin to get damaged immediately. Well, because they're overworked. They're overworked. They're right. overstimulated, right. and they can't handle it, and they weren't designed to right. handle it. And, the, and the, the methamphetamine mimics the dopamine, and it also blocks the reuptake of the dopamine. And as the receptors begin to die away and receptor be function becomes disturbed due to this overstimulation, the brain's ability to feel pleasure begins to reduce immediately. In other words, as the brain's ability to feel pleasure at levels up to 12 times normal is destroyed without stimulation through methamphetamine use, the user experiences life as boring, flat, uninteresting, unrewarding, unpleasurable, and you've seen people come down from the drug and you wonder what is wrong with them. Well, this is what's happening. They're destroying their brain and now they need more methamphetamine to feel normal. And by the way, when you come off the drug, you don't go to zero. You don't go to normal. Now you go 12 times lower. So now you feel 12 times worse than you ever have before. So so it's it's just kind of this this cat and mouse game. In other words, the brain ends up telling itself to kill itself. The user's flooded with high levels of pleasure chemicals, which at their most basic level are there to reward and reinforce the very behavior that has caused them. So the user's tricked into feeling overwhelmingly in control and their drug is use is positively reinforced. All the while the ability, ability to function without it is being destroyed. So, what's the answer? More drugs. As they're, you know, we need higher levels of drug, uh, more drugs, purer drugs, just to get the same level of pleasure. And the, the user never catches up. And every time he does the drug, he destroys the brain more. And every time he destroys the brain more, he needs more of the drug. And so we're talking about um, an illegal drug that it's really powerful, but there's other things in our lives can be that can be an addiction or a drug to us that can add that can do the same amount of damage, but maybe you just don't see it as physically as you do with methamphetamine. Right. I mean, behavioral addictions can destroy lives and destroy people and destroy things. I mean, what about angry people? That's an addiction. That's a release. What about jealous people? What about gossiping? All these things, and we'll talk about those throughout sexual addictions, gambling, internet, texting, shopping, 
These are all behavioral addictions. So you have substance and you have behavioral addictions. And so as we continue to go on with this program, we're going to be talking about not only what these addictions are, the signs of them, but not only that, but how to get through it. And we're going through, the information can be found in the workbook that we're using called Clean, Seven Steps to Freedom. That can, You can get that on either www.justasiamministries.com or you can call 916 645 one two nine seven if you'd like to go through it with us as we go week to week yeah wonderful and you might be wondering right now uh is there a difference between a bad habit and an addiction well we'll answer that next week for you is there a difference between a bad habit and addiction so what we'd like to do today is start something new if you want to if you would like to what you can do this week for an exercise is to drink plenty of water, go for a 45-minute walk at least once a day, and also what we like to do, Susan and I, is we like to journal. We like to write down what's going on. So that's your exercise for this week. These are some tips to get you through the from, from a bad habit or an addiction to freedom. Okay. These are the steps that we took. And remember, folks, There are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.